0: It was very cumbersome, and all apparently all the astronauts who used it just hated the shit out of it.
1: That's like an engineering fail. right? It's like, this is the best you guys could come up with, what the fuck?
0: I mean, like engineers at NASA are really smart, and but this was just this is the best solution they could come up with, and I'm sure the engineer who designed it was like, "Come on guys, come on, just poop in the just poop in the bag." Put
1: some um, tape on a plastic bag and stick it to your ass and poop in there. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> a good solution. Welcome back to Hawaii Real, everybody. I have with me an engineer from Pearl Harbor, Jeff Oshiro. Good friend. Okay. Thanks for coming on the show, bud. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. Thank you for having me.
1: Dude, we were just talking about like, um, the. Department of Defense releasing like the uh, the videos and transcripts and stuff of some fighter pilots that saw UFOs and actually captured them on the FLIR and stuff. Did you pull? You didn't pull it up yet.
0: I didn't pull it up yet, but eh. I, like I was saying earlier, like which like that is kind of boring to me. What was more interesting was like the I was telling you earlier the instance of I believe it was naval aviators drawing a giant dick in the sky. <laughs> And it was like two, you look at their contrails. Their contrails the two, These are two very, really apparently smart to come in. You, you have to be a smart guy. Right. Two smart 20 something year old bros just having this conversation. Like, Hey dude, I think I could draw a dick up here. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No, no. And they could be back and forth. And then they're like, no, I'm going for it. Drops down to altitude makes makes it straight away, then makes a turn around or goes back up, drops back down to make one circle for one testicle. And then whatever he does. Oh, he they,
1: had the they had the testicles <laughs> and everything?
0: The testicles <laughs> and everything.
1: Where was this? Like, I, over where?
0: I can't remember. Um,
1: Somebody had to have seen it though,
0: huh? That's where they got in trouble is that people saw it and took pictures of it and it went back to their commanding officers or whatever. And they're able to figure out for, that it was them. Of course. Um, it's like, you're the they, only two
1: fighter jacks who were up there yeah. over there at that time. Yeah. <laughs> we have you on radar going, <laughs> making that U-turn. Like if we draw it out on radar where you guys were, it's a big dick.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and It's like the official, I think the official, um, uh, release of it they didn't release the name of the pilots but he said yeah they, they've been disciplined but we all know like everyone's just high-fiving them back in days or back at the academy or wherever it
1: was yeah because it's got to be insanely expensive to train those pilots up and everything right i mean you can't just take those guys and take their wings away like no we've spent like millions of dollars training these guys to be the best fighter pilots in the world and they went up there and and drew a big dick in the sky it's like <laughs> which is that apparently actually, very
0: difficult
1: yeah that takes some talent i mean that's that's some math <laughs> for sure and you know knowing a lot about atmospheric pressure and oh jeez, I, I don't even know like i'm just looking i'm just looking forward to top gun 2. Hmm. and i can imagine like so, that's something like maverick and goose might have done
0: because why not
1: why not it's fun like but don't get caught doing that dumb
0: shit <laughs> I mean,
1: come on. Who knows? Who knows? They got to have fun. They're probably bored. I don't know. But then we're talking about uh, beforehand, like, the, the naval aviators who captured, like, UFOs on their, on their FLIR, their forward-looking infrared systems and stuff like that. And they were able to track these things, and they were following them for several minutes and everything. But then you have these other guys who are going drawing big dicks in this guy. It's like, that's why aliens don't talk to us. That's what you're doing with your high technology you're going up in the sky and drop, drawing your genitals. Oh, boy.
0: I mean, if you think about it, submarines just look like a big dick.
1: Yeah, 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 um, I guess. You know, it took them... It's full of semen.
0: That so, right. yeah, long and <laughs> hard the the first, um, the first submarines were these diesel boats that just basically sunk ran on batteries for, for however long, and just kind of put it, put it along a little bit. And it took them years to figure out that, you know what, if maybe if you make something like more fish-shaped, it'll be more efficient moving through the water.
1: Yeah, it's like aircraft, right? It took them a long, not a long time actually, but it took them time to figure out how to make aircraft better and more aerodynamic and whatnot. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, hmm, maybe, maybe if you just looked at shapes from nature, they'd figure, figure out
1: what it is. Right. But then it's like, when did they start building submarines? Like World War I era, 1910s, maybe a little bit before that. But when okay. they had real real submarines, not the little balls that sunk underwater, and they, I don't know. So maybe around the 1900s, around there. About
0: 1900. Um,
1: they definitely had them during World yeah. War I, and,
0: and they had a lot of more
1: World War II. So it's only been about still,
0: a I'm sorry?
1: It's only been about a hundred years or less than a hundred years for that technology. Mm-hmm. Like we have gone so far in just a hundred years. It's like airplanes. Yeah. Like Kitty Hawk was in nineteen oh something. But it was in the nineteen hundreds.
0: I'm An engineer, not a historian, I'm not gonna remember that shit.
1: But as an engineer, but- you can see that, okay, within Within 50 years, we had gone from a bicycle engine, kind of powered aircraft to flying into space, like in a matter of 50 years.
0: And just, we're all just, we're all just kind of desensitized to it at this point. But it's just, like, when I saw uh, SpaceX's rocket land on a platform in the middle of the ocean, like right side up. I, I almost cried because that stuff was amazing. Just to figure out all how, how the engineering was involved, all the standing on the shoulders of drawing, everything that we had to build on to get to this point. Just an um, amazing, humbling experience to watch.
1: Yeah, to get those rockets to, like, fly themselves back to Earth and land mm-hmm. on that little pad that's mm-hmm. bobbing and stuff in the ocean mm-hmm. and successfully do that. Like, it's that's a leap for mankind. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hey. Not only can we go into space again, private, a private company can go to space, not just the government, but we can land that stuff back and not have to rebuild it. So it's going to be more cost effective to do yeah. that kind of stuff. Like it's huge. People don't realize that kind of stuff. Like when I see these, um, those fighter pilot videos showing the UFOs and stuff like from an engineering point of view, I'm not an engineer, duh, but when you see those craft in the sky, they're clearly not human type aircraft. They don't have wings you know, and they're moving along and they're turning and they're doing all these weird things. And it's like, okay, what the hell is that? I, mean, I don't know. What, what, oh, is, yeah. what is your, uh, like favorite engineering marvel? Cause you name like that SpaceX kind of thing. Yeah. Is there something else that, maybe you were as a kid that made you want to go into engineering was like, Hey, this is so freaking cool. I want to be an engineer.
0: Oh gosh. Um, obviously space play is probably the first one that really amazed me. And just the idea of just the images of astronauts in zero gravity. What, just like how, how do we how do we exist in that type of space in that mm. in that how how do we do that that's humanity and I don't know, like, well, I they, like what I think the also like what what shouldn't amaze you your car is run by a series I'm assuming if you own a gas-powered vehicle it's run on a series of tiny controlled explosions. Right. Uh, your Howard's speaking out, like
1: Yeah, the freaking internet computers. and computers. Internet. Like this is magic mm-hmm. to like someone in the eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Right? And here we are just, eh, you wanna zoom? Yeah, yeah let's zoom. Okay. That's mm-hmm. this kind of stuff is like we've grown so far as a society and a civilization in just a short amount of time 100 years it's insane like we didn't do shit for you know centuries you know through the bronze age the iron age is like okay the biggest technology was like the fucking sword and the bow and arrow and and then here we go industrial revolution and then it just kicks off from there and it's just like Dude, where are we going to be in another 50 years, 100 years?
0: I mean, shoot, like 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, we didn't have smartphones, and now we can't, I don't think we can imagine day to day life without them.
1: Oh, I got a huge story on that, too. It's like, okay, so people are talking about installing red light cams at all these intersections and stuff to catch people like blowing through red lights and stuff. I get yeah. it. it's a, It's a problem. I understand. Mm-hmm. But, They're looking at implementing it in the next six, seven, eight years. I'm like, guys.
0: That's going to be so far back.
1: Right. Like you didn't, everybody in this meeting had like cell smartphones, right? It's like 10 years ago, none of us had those. Maybe like the first iteration of the iPhone, which was okay. It was okay. But now it's like commonplace for everybody to have those. It's like, where are we going to be in the next 10 years? Like you guys laugh at uh, self-driving cars now but where is it going to be in 10 years? Like there's going to be that technological revolution where we do surpass that point where, yeah, no, it's normal to have self-driving cars. And I firmly believe that um, my children will drive cars, but my grandchildren won't
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because they just won't need to.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I don't, there's the, there's a documentary called who you know who killed the electric car and it talks about the history of transportation transportation you know we started off biggest of well, transportation was like you know horses and that was a big problem because you know there you have to feed them and they poop so there were piles of horse manure everywhere there's a huge health you know huge health concern and then came along the the internal combustion car which was
1: horse's carriage
0: horse's yeah. carriage which reduced all that you know all that waste so it was a lot cleaner a lot healthier um and i guess more humane because then people you know we didn't need to abuse horses as much for sake of transportation and i think now we're just in a new a new era where we're moving to electric vehicles and where where you know they're more fuel efficient they're better for uh, for the environment and we're really really thinking how we you know actually execute transportation what is necessary you know with the ability to telework from home we probably won't need we'll have less demand for offices uh, we'll have less demand for um, for a lot of infrastructure that you just have to report to day after day. Um, And with less cars on the road, we're just going to have a lot more real estate available to do more productive things. You know, we dedicate so much space to roads, to cars, and most of it is empty most of the time.
1: That's true. What do you think about the rail? Uh, Not, not, I mean, we'll have to get into like the politics of like, How they're paying for it and everything, Mm -hmm. because that's, uh, God, that's a long story.
0: But Um, I I think it's a good, you know, mass, you know, mass transit, transit for the masses is probably a a good idea. Um, It seems it seems silly to require, like, if if you need to go to a work site, It seems kind of silly to require your your. uh, Seems inefficient to require people to have own a car. Right. You know you have to pay for it and maintain it. You have to have a space for it. Which, gosh, if you ever shop for a condo in Hawaii, like like getting a parking space, adds like a fifty thousand dollar bump to so, condo if you're, crazy if you're shopping for that
1: yeah parking is crazy in hawaii
0: and i hate i hate traffic and i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to being able to just go to wherever station sit down on the bus or sit down on the street and just like close my eyes put on headphones and then open my eyes and be at my destination
1: yeah can you imagine like self-driving cars that'll that'll be the thing like you walk mm-hmm. out of your house and just your car will know you're coming because you have your phone on you and it's linked to your phone and it knows you're going to work because you've already that's where you go every freaking morning at seven o'clock just get in and go and you don't even park it drops you off at the front door and Mm -hmm. it goes and parks itself and then when you're done or you are going to lunch or whatever you Mm -hmm. call your car on your phone Mm -hmm. your car leaves its stall and comes and picks you up and Mm -hmm. off you go Mm -hmm. it's like oh that sounds like fun Never have to deal with like traffic, never have to deal with the stupid crowded parking lots and stuff. Yeah. Who knows? But with the pandemic and everything, it was like, now I was seeing it's like people are staying home, right? And a lot of people mm-hmm. are working from home and such and such. Mm-hmm. And a lot of students are doing stuff at home. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, the whole the whole theory behind the rail was to get people from the west side into town through mm-hmm. that traffic. Mm-hmm if people going to the future don't need to come into town because they're working from a distance or they're schooling from a distance, or it's easier to do that. And so more people choose to do that. It's like, well, do we, do we need the rail? Like, are we transporting tens of thousands of people to town every day? I don't know.
0: No, it's a crap shoot. Like we talk, I, I think we're both old enough to remember when people are before the H3 opened, people yeah. talking shit about that. Yeah. And look how much we use it now. I yeah. use it almost every, I use it, well, during normal, back before now, I use it almost every day. But
1: yeah, Yeah. people are like, no, we have two ways to get to the windward side. We don't need a third way. And now it's like, well, if one of those three ways is closed, then the other two get like really backed up, right? So it's like, yeah. Like Pulley, right? Pulley closed down and then there was this massive traffic on leaky leaky and H three and
0: yeah. I think what we're you know, when we're trying to tra- uh, when we're trying to transport people around, we just need like a, like options, a variety of options, whether it's car, bus, rail, biking. I'm a big fan I'm a big ba- big fan of people biking around. Um, it's just bikes just take up less they're quieter and they're just easier to maintain and you know what whatever gets whatever gets my chubby ass moving and
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, i love bikes i love bicycling the beaky bike thing is cool but they took up a lot of parking stalls and stuff like i'd rather just see people either using those electric uh scooters and skateboards and stuff or bicycles and or bicycles Mm -hmm we not be taking up our parking stalls with Beaky bikes, man. I mean like
0: all right. Just think bikes are just way more way more efficient for uh, transportation than cars. Just space. So yeah, if you don't have to go and... very far,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Which brings but, the whole eh. thing with like, man, if you're working from home or you know, distance learning and stuff like that you don't need a car to go all over the place. So I think that's what I'm kind of getting at with the whole, my grandchildren won't drive cars. It's like they, they'll they be doing a whole lot more via, you know, a, a futuristic connected networking system that we haven't even fathomed yet. You know, because I mean, I couldn't imagine as a kid playing Nintendo that my kids would have like, a cell phone in their pocket that they could play games on and watch movies and shit in, in their car, you know. So. It's
0: crazy. It was, all, it was all science fiction before. Yeah.
1: Science I fact. Had, science fact.
0: I am jealous of the kids who get to grow up today. Like, you know, when I was when I was a kid, trying to learn, you know, I I I've been interested in engineering and science since I was a kid, and I was kind of, you know, always making like. Paper airplanes, uh, playing around with wind tunnels, um, and and just trying to learn as much as I could. Now, if you want to learn how to make a a rocket, YouTube. If you want to learn how to if you le- want to learn how to program, the resources that are available now are just infinitely better than they were ten years ago. Like now you can bring up an online class and they have All these cloud based integrated developing environments where you can just don't have to install anything on your computer before. You'd have to try to install whatever program, whatever IDE, and whatever software that the class had. Just trying to get it work before was just a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, you needed to be a genius to work that kind of stuff in the past, whereas now, like old ladies can operate some of the smartphones and stuff that we have. Mm-hmm. Not that old ladies aren't geniuses. That came out wrong. It <laughs> <They> totally <laughs> could be. They totally could be. I apologize, old ladies. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Uh,
0: yeah. No, of course. Oh. But yeah.
1: <sighs> Cause it used to be like a nerd culture, right? To, to even get started on a computer. And now, if you don't know how to operate a computer, there's not a whole lot of jobs you can hold. Mm-hmm. You know, even working at a fast food place. Like, you have to be able to operate the, the cash register, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have to have this, like, intuitive sense of, of what menu design looks like. Mm. Like, I,
1: you
0: know, I, I wouldn't say I grew up playing video games, but I definitely play video games now. And the experience of interacting with with a designer's, um, you know, menu system, just like how how to interface with with a piece of technology, all its menu, menu options, it, you develop an intuition when you work with a lot of it. And you just notice, I just know the difference when I'm helping my wife out with her Zoom calls and stuff that she doesn't have, a, have that intuitive sense of, okay, what do I need to do to get this to work?
1: Hmm. Versus someone yeah. who's just always on that kind of stuff is like, okay, I'm going to try this. Yeah. I'm going to try this. I'm going to click on this. I'm going to click on that.
0: Yeah. Just the old joke of like kids knowing how to program VCRs.
1: And their parents could have their parents. Uh, right. And
0: now that joke is obsolete. But,
1: but the theory behind it is the same. Like you still have these yeah. little kids that are really good with technology and they just grasp it yeah. so quickly. And you have us old fogies who, um, just kind of it takes us lo- a little bit longer. You know, we're the old generation. It's kind of weird. I always thought to myself, I'm a young guy. No, not when I see like how fast my kids um, are able to mi- manipulate like an iPad. Like it's, it's not that I can't grasp how they do it or how to function the stuff. It's how quickly they can use their hands to manipulate the screen and touch things. It's, it's mm-hmm. really fast. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some of these kids like fourth graders, mm-hmm. just their hands are blurring mm-hmm. on the thing and they know what they're doing, whether they're playing a video game or, you know, something else, but it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy how they can just manipulate and touch a screen so fast and get the desired result that they look, that they're looking yeah. for yeah, right. something that, Oh, I can do that, but so much slower. It's like, where are they going to be in 10 years? Crazy. I like to think about that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Can't wait for the future. Like, hopefully, by then, I think getting back to what you want to talk about is just the technology of the future. Just hopefully, I think, hopefully, by the in like 10 years' time, we have a more diverse energy platform.
1: Right. Okay. Original conversation was supposed to be on like green
0: energy, Energy.
1: renewable energy, that kind of stuff. Where do you see that going? What would you like to see?
0: I think I definitely want to see us move away from fossil fuels. Um, You know, one of the things that I'm proud of, proud of, the nuclear power program is just how safe it's been. You know, in the United States, just because we have high safety standards, but, because, you know, because the people who are working on these systems know the stakes of what happens as things go wrong, we have to go through this high, it's really high intensive training program before we are allowed to like, do anything. Um, and there's just all these robust backup systems to make sure that the stuff is safe. You know we, think we standards for nuclear power in the United States is very is very strict compared to coal and petroleum. like I'm sure you've heard of coal miners dying
1: Sure, like a coal mine coal collapses and stuff coal yeah. mine
0: collapse the whole process of extracting coal is dangerous
1: mm-hmm. You're in a freaking so, tunnel underground yeah. with big machines pulling coal.
0: Yeah. And black lung, uh, apparently black lung is a thing now. Or I think it's back again.
1: Yeah, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> it's like you're in yeah. that, you're digging through coal. You're going to get black lung.
0: And petroleum. And petroleum. We've um, heard about, I mean, movies about fucking, the fucking oil spills. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so there's been like tons of oil spills throughout, you know, the past thirty, forty, fifty years, but well documented and stuff. So, you know, getting away from crude oil, I think, is a is a good idea. Will we ever do it as a society in the United States? Uh, I have thirty I have. years away. For the world, I don't know. It's So cheap.
0: You no, know, it's going to be. You know, it's going to take. A, a lot more investment. I do believe we've hit a milestone recently. Solar power, at this point in the United States, is about on par with uh, the fossil fuel, the cost of fossil fuel. Um, and it just kind of depends on where you, where you are. Uh, closer you are to a source of fossil fuel, then it's probably a little bit off, but um again, don't put your you know, we shouldn't put all our eggs in one basket. We shouldn't have invested all of you know coal plants and our and petroleum plants. We should have invested in a diverse energy platform so that we mm. have more options should one thing fail and or not pan out.
1: Um, mm-hmm. you know. so like how you know, you, safe yeah. is nuclear energy now versus what we had in the eighties and stuff when you had those Nuclear, like Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, you know how how much different and how how much safer is it today?
0: I mean, I would argue that. So, I would argue that it would. It's always been relatively safe. Um, The nuclear. it, It depends on what's how, what standards do you, what quality control standards do you hold yourself to? Um, Admiral Rickover is the, is, he's known as the father of the nuclear Navy. He started the nuclear power program back in, the, I believe, the 40s. Um, he led the team that kind of saw the atomic bomb and said, hey, let's put that explosion, turn it into, refer to an injury source and put it into a submarine underwater. So what they did was that they developed a nuclear power plant on land while they are trying to figure out how to retrofit a diesel submarine except a power plant, nuclear power plant. Um, and as you know, there's never been a nuclear, I believe there's never been a nuclear incident in the United States Navy.
1: Sure. Like, not like the Russians, right, when you have like K-10 and stuff like that.
0: Again, quality, quality control standards. Right. Um, So I believe Admiral Rickover, you know, was brought in after the Three Mile Island incident and basically said like, here is what the, you know, here is the difference between what the Navy does and what commercial commercial side does. And it's just the, it's just the quality, the quality control, all the Mm -hmm. safety checks that they put in place. Sure. So it can be safe, but you have to put the time, effort, and, you know, money into, into making it safe.
1: Right. And, I mean, that's like anything else, right? Because mm. we all you would fly on commercial airliners. It's like, wait, mm. wait, wait. We're going into this big metal tube that's mm. got these things on the sides of them, mm. blowing hot air out the back, and that's going to take mm. us, you know, 30,000 feet in the air. 300 miles an hour. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. not safe. When you break it down like that, that's not safe. But we do it without a second thought because of the checks and balances. Right. Yeah. And all the safety measures and everything like that. So, yeah. you know, when a plane does go down, everybody's yeah. like, Oh my God. So,
0: and I guess just the, the, amount of, the amount of safety standards are involved. Like again, you know, fossil fuels have terrible safety standards. And that's why these, that's why people, more people, I think more, more people have died trying in the production of, due to the production of power using fossil fuels than, uh, in, than in nuclear power. Hmm. That's just because the, the process of mining fossil fuels is just so, so bad. Sure. Hmm. I think again, nuclear power. I'm particularly interested in solar power, actually. Just, just the beauty of it is you just set it up and it just goes.
1: If you have sunlight.
0: Like, if you have sunlight. Well, if you don't have sunlight, then you, I think you got other problems.
1: Um, well, I mean, there's, there's certain parts of the world that don't get a whole lot of sunlight, right? Especially during the mm. wintertime. Mm. Like if you ever lived in the north, you know, during the summer, or I mean, during the winter time, like it's, you don't get a whole lot of sunlight.
0: But it takes a lot less resources to operate a solar a solar power plant than a nuclear, obviously a nuclear power plant. Like you're saying mm. if you want to operate it, you need a lot of you need a lot of people and a lot of training and a lot of scrutiny to operate it safely. You can do yeah. it. So the counter
1: argument to that would be yes, you need more people, but you need a lot less land versus solar, right? Because solar plants, at least the way we have it now, um, you need like swaths of acreage for, you know, in order to produce a ton of energy, usable Mm. energy for that. Like they have in like the deserts and stuff, right? They have these large solar farms and and Mm. deserts and stuff, which are great. But it does take a lot of space.
0: Yeah, it's relative. Hopefully, we'll get more. We'll be more fuel efficient. Our will be solar sort of will be more efficient. Storage, battery storage, our energy storage will improve. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, like I said earlier, we want a we want a variety of we want to invest in a variety of different um, energy pathways.
1: Right. And currently, Hawaii is like singular, pretty much, right? I mean, we yeah, we do have the wind farms and stuff, but mm. a vast majority of our energy is we're burning stuff.
0: Yeah, it seems kind of ridiculous. We're shipping in our fuel.
1: Yeah, right. well, we burn our trash too, but even that's just it's a whole another story, right? So much trash that we're burning. Uh, we're throwing up the emissions from that. But then if we go to like a renewable source of energy, what are we doing with all the trash? Are we still going to burn it? If we're going to burn yeah. it, what are we doing? Like we're just going to burn it, burn it? Or are we going to burn it and make yeah. electricity? I don't know.
0: I think we're probably going to have to move to figure out how to reduce our waste and reduce our single-use product. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we both we both grew up here. We both have, I think we all have a Remember our grandma or our grandpa telling us not to waste that you know, paper towel after wiping it, save that, uh, just throw a spoon, wash it. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm all better. about, like, I mean, you have the climate change um, argument. You know, you have people on both sides. People say, eh, yeah, humans are causing all the climate change. You have other people on the other side like, no, humans aren't really causing the climate change. But give or take that argument, it's like we can actually, instead of focusing on just changing the climate, we can focus on like our pollution and our, you know, how much we dispose of in, mm. in environment, mm. you know, getting rid of those plastics. Like everybody was teasing California about banning straws. Mm. It's like, okay, but it's a start. Like yes. it's not going to make a huge impact if we just ban mm. just straws, but mm. there's a whole, the it's the premise behind it, right? It's like, mm. we just, we want to get away from single use disposable plastics they go back um, into the dirt or into the ocean.
0: Like we really we're just yeah, we're just going back to what probably all, our grandparents did. They just recycled stuff. Mm-hmm. They re, you know, they had. They didn't have. Uh, their styrofoam containers. I guess we don't not hardly using styrofoam containers now. But you no, know, used to take their lunch in lunch pills and stuff. They just.
1: It's like, bring your own plate to the lunch wagon. They'll fill it up. For
0: you. I don't know. Great, Mike.
1: But there's like reusable and um, not just reusable, but mm-hmm. biodegradable stuff. Mm-hmm. Like just before the pandemic happened, everybody was, wasn't the Senate legislature or something talking about banning uh, single-use forks and knives and stuff? Mm-hmm. They were. I remember that. Where's that mm-hmm. conversation? Mm.
0: Yeah. We'll get there yeah hopefully yeah we just generate less waste in the future and just less waste less pollution like ocean is i'm sure you see ocean is getting nastier man there's microplastics at every at every level of the the, the water layer low the water They're all points in the water column yep that's just gross
1: they're catching fish and they're finding microplastics mm. like in their stomach. It may not have killed the fish, but it mm. certainly wasn't healthy for the fish.
0: Yeah. And apparently they start testing humans. And yeah, we all have microplastics within us now. A lot of yeah. credit cards worth size worth. work.
1: We are Borg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. Cybernetics. I don't know if you're into mm. that. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's uh, that's gonna come too, right? That's another thing that's just around the corner, like implanting technology into our bodies. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time. I'm i st- I'm gonna as soon as they come out with like contact lenses that can like be a computer monitor or something on your face, oh dude, I'm mm-hmm. I'm there.
0: So we have to be able to upload my brain, man, to the matrix or I don't know. I forget what the
1: mainframe was in Tron. I'm too young for Tron. But... Tron too. Well, yeah. To they, the what was it called? MCP. Yeah. They could, could. Yeah, you just uploaded your entire body and everything into the computer. It was crazy. Science fiction that comes science fact. It's not too far away. You hear that Google just um, was it Google? Yeah, they engineered, like, a quantum computer last year.
0: I heard about that, and I'm still trying to understand what a quantum computer is.
1: I don't get it. All I know is they were like, yeah, it did this huge um, algorithmic problem in, like, a matter of seconds. And the nearest mm-hmm. computer to be able to do that is going to take, they said it was going to take, like, 20 years for that computer mm-hmm. to do it. And then... Microsoft was like, no, it's not going to take us 20 years. It's going to only take us, like, 10 months. I'm like, mm. fuck, still. <laughs> like, this computer did it in a few seconds, and you're coming out and saying it's going to take you months? That's huge. That's a huge difference. So what's your Apollo astronaut uh, story there?
0: So, so when we. This- when they were figuring out how to send people into space for a long periods of time, they had to come up with all these new technologies and figure out ways to do things in, in account of the fact that there's no gravity in space. And one sure. of these was, how does one poo?
1: I don't know, and, Jeff. How does one poo in space?
0: <laughs> so apparently, well, gravity well, one, it's very difficult to take a shit in space because gravity helps the digestion, apparently.
1: Oh, okay, makes sense.
0: And you don't want to have human waste floating around in the space capsule, correct? That's, that's just no bueno for you know comfort and for electronics. So what the engineers came up with was there was a baggie. and on top of the baggy there was a like an adhesive liner around it. So you would take this baggy remove the little plastic thing and just expose the adhesive liner and just kind of stick it to your your booty hole. It was very cumbersome, and all apparently all the astronauts who used it just hated the shit out of it.
1: That's like an engineering fail, right? It's like, this is the best you guys could come up with? What the fuck?
0: I mean, like, engineers at NASA are really smart and but this was just this is the best solution they could come up with and i'm sure the engineer who designed it was, was like come on guys come on just poop in the, poop in the bag Put um some
1: tape on a plastic bag and stick it to your ass and poop in there <laughs> it's like, no it's not, <laughs> not a good solution
0: but so when you were done with these things you had to like kind of pack it away and store it okay so it just floats through the, the, yeah. the capsule. One time, however, one of these baggies did not... I don't... It
1: was floating around? It
0: the, no. It wasn't the baggie that was floating around. There was... Uh, let's say it was a mis-aim. Oh, no. So the, so the recording, the transcripts from it, it's the pilot saying, like, all right, you know, Houston. This is oh, what the, you know, who, what the fuck? Like, what what is this? Who did that? You know, the other guys in the background like, who did what? That that? What is that? It's like, all right, you know, give, give me a napkin. Grab me a paper. Something like, there's a there's a turd floating in the air. <laughs> and they all start blaming each other for it. It's like. Uh, you know, it's not mine. Uh, it's not one of mine. Mm, I don't think it was one of mine. Like, mm, yeah, it's not mine. Mine was more sticky at that. I kind of squished the bag a little.
1: Uh huh.
0: And it's like, mm, yeah, mine was more watery than that. Like, <laughs> and they're just like.
1: <laughs> and the guy's probably it's like, right. we all eat the same thing, guys. It's like, yeah. what are you?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm flying the thing. It's not mine.
0: But, uh, and it's just stuff like that. It's just, it just reminds me that these brilliant guys were human as well. They yeah. had the same reaction any one of us would have had. Like, start pointing fingers and just... <laughs> <laughs> these genius
1: <laughs> ast- these genius astronauts that are pointing fingers yeah. at whose turd that was floating yeah. around the air.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So Sally Ride, I think it was Sally Ride. Sally Ride was one of the, I think she was the first, first female teacher? astronaut, the first ash, female astronaut space. Okay. Um, I think when they, when they're setting up the the NASA engineers thought about making a makeup kit, like, oh, maybe the female astronauts want to do a makeup kit, and the female astronaut, you know, Sally Ride was like, no, I, I I'm too busy to working to put on makeup. I don't give a shit. Right. And then they asked her. They asked. They asked her too. Like, oh, you're gonna be in space for ten days. Um, how many tampons will you need? Like, how many do? Will hundred be enough? She just shook. I think the story goes. She just kind of shook her head and is like, oh.
1: You got to answer those questions though, right? I mean. Yeah. You gotta tell them, you know, for those ten days I don't need any, or for those ten days I need, I need
0: thirty. Yeah. I guess it was just more. It's more of a commentary on men in general. Just like, come on, how do you not know this? You all have wives, sisters, mothers. How do you not know something
1: about? Right. Them? They don't. Yeah. They just don't.
0: But that's all the funny stories I
1: have right now about NASA. <laughs> okay. Uh, last question. Do you look at like ancient history and engineering? Like, like the, per- like the pyramids and like Machu Picchu and stuff like that in Peru, where there's like signs of all these ancient human or somebody built these things, right? But then you look; it's like, well, we can't build that shit now. Like, how are you telling me they did that with bronze chisels and stuff?
0: I mean, it's just a reminder, minor that you know. I think the first guy who figured out how to how to extract iron out of ore is like. It's just the. Years of guys just trying or people just trying random stuff and seeing what works and making making these observations and these connections with each other. Um, you know, again, like a lot of us in engineering school were pretty amazed. Like at, at the engineers who didn't have calculators, uh, who had to do all these calculations. Uh, and who have to figure out these formulas and these equations to for to determine stress load distribution and now we just instead of figuring it out for ourselves we just borrow those equations and we're off to figure it out and it just saves us time. we can focus on newer problems um, i think for myself just looking at you know ancient hawaiians and all ancient navigators mm-hmm. learning how they how they Navigate it is just just seeing what you can accomplish, what our ancestors accomplished without modern technologies.
1: Yeah, but navigating a ship through the ocean is not building a pyramid with like these massive stones and stuff. Like I can totally see how mankind traversed the oceans. Mm -hmm. Totally. Cause we've proven that with the Hokulea and, and stuff like that. And if you've been in the, if you've been into like a really dark area of, you know, the the planet, you can see a ton of stars and you can see, you know, a lot of, a lot of times you can see the Milky Way. It's like this big milky purple whitish river all across the sky. It's like, dude, I could navigate if I saw that all the time. It's like I could totally know where I was, but yeah, I mean, yeah. there's way more. I mean, too. the thing
0: is, it was way more too. It was a combination of you know, you don't, you didn't always have uh, a view of the sky, during, especially during the daytime. Yep. Um, so you had to navigate using combination of uh, star reading, reading waves, and uh, a method called. Uh, uh, dead reckoning, yep, just you know, just having all that all that previous information stored in your mind,
1: Yeah. like I know what Thompson was talking about how um they turned the ship into like a compass, so like yeah. the ship it, the ship itself is the compass, yeah, so that's like okay, when you think about that, it's like okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, so I can see how they did that I still can't see right. how we cut granite inserts at 90 degree angles it's like (laughs) no i should show you that stuff sometimes it's it's fascinating you see that cut inside Mm -hmm. granite at Mm -hmm. on a mountaintop in peru where there's like no history of like really ancient civilizations with a lot of technology it's like Mm. man who did that
0: gosh boy
1: I bring it back to those uh, fighter pilots looking at those aliens, guys.
0: That <laughs> got me thinking about all this other ancient shit. How did they do that? Uh, have you heard no, about the that the, stuff? Have you heard about the what's it the antiquer, it, Antikythera Antikythera mechanism?
1: Yeah, like that's that's man-made, right? But there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of gears and stuff inside of that, and it was found in an area where there was a lot of civilization.
0: But they never—it just—it just predated any any mm-hmm. device of its kind by uh, hundreds of years, thousands of yep. years.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And they used the—they used a combination of uh, X-ray and 3D scanning to for, to kind of further analyze it, figure, and they realizing it's way more complex than what we initially thought.
1: And we don't know what the hell it was used for.
0: Uh, I believe it was used for it, it had a couple of functions. They were able to figure out just kind of the reading about how they figured out how it worked is amazing because they they 3D create three D printed models and they just kind of they're trying to or they kind of guessed at what kind of years it must have had based off of you know of things like say few if, if they looked at a circular point a circular component that had um, a certain number of teeth but based off the spacing of the different teeth they could figure out, okay, it probably had this many teeth that was based off, spaced apart uh, by this distance from each tooth. And, mm-hmm. and between this component and this component, there's empty, empty space there. So there might have been like a gear or a mechanism connecting the two of them.
1: Right. They could kind of uh, reverse engineer that thing.
0: Oh man. Ancient
1: history, yeah. I'm just doing I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: And, you know, we're still doing the same, you know, as far as like, you know, I work in welding, there's a lot of metallurgy involved in welding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And a lot of that technology, a lot of that science is just trial and error and just building upon years of what previous guys have done. hmm
1: I like forged and Fire, too. That stuff's cool. My son is doing a whole metallurgy thing in, in school. It's about, like, ancient Chinese metallurgy. It's like, Okay. They had bronze. Okay. That's about it. <laughs> they made pots and pans and bowls and swords and stuff. But beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. Like, because I look at, like, the... The great wall of china right you can see how they built it it looks man-made stones look like something that you know a person could pick up or two people could pick up and move that and then when i see pictures of the pyramids and you see people standing next to the stones and the stones are bigger than the people or taller than the people it's like okay it's a big ass stone and then they say oh, there's like 2 million 2.3 million stones it's like no slaves didn't do that (laughs) i don't care how many slaves you had nobody's going to do that in 20 years so it was built in 20 years it's like if you do the math that means they're Mm. placing one stone every 40 seconds around the clock it's like Mm. okay back to the drawing board Mm. like from an engineering point of view it's like show me how they could do that show me how they did one and there's been tons of people that tried like they can't they can't Mm. they can't cut the rock they can cut it, but they can't cut it to the, you know, expert edges and stuff like that. That you do see in mm-hmm. in Egypt. So it's like, I'm wondering who the hell did do that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just tell me to know what our, what our ancestors did without large conveniences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I look well, like Easter Island, right? Those moai. Okay, I, I can totally see how we carve those, how human beings with stone tools, bronze tools, whatever they had, could carve that kind of stuff. Totally see that. And then you look at other stuff and it's like, okay, there's a clear difference between that, the moai, and like the sphinx. Like, there's no, sorry. I don't know conspiracy theories about
0: <laughs> oh, i'm sure we'll figure out how they did it like yeah. we just need we just need a couple or a professor, a professor and enough grad students to kind of dick around for a get for however weekends to figure out
1: try to d- draw dicks out. out of try to make a big giant dick out of stone and yeah. they figure out how to move like <laughs> heavy heavy granite and stuff it's like oh well there you go. They
0: figured out how to, how Stonehenge. I know yeah. they they experiment with techniques for moving uh, the moai,
1: right? So I can see how they yeah. did that. Like that's feasible to me. I can see that.
0: So is it that it just once once the trick or not once the technique is discovered, like is that is that like how the once you learn how a magic trick is performing, you kind of lose interest and there's a little bit less wonder or Maybe. It's the mystery of behind, behind it that's interesting to you. Is that what you're saying?
1: I think so. I think so. Like, I want to know how these ancient people did did some of these things that we we clearly can't do today. You know, mm-hmm. it's like some of the ancient stuff I totally see. Okay, that looks man-made. And then some mm-hmm. of that stuff is just far out of the ballpark mm-hmm. of what we can do today. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, I don't see how ancient guys could do that. Mm-hmm look at all the other dumb shit that they did like they made a mm-hmm. wall out of like small stones mm-hmm. and then you're telling me that the same people that made a wall out of these small stones made mm-hmm. these giant megalithic structures it's like mm-hmm. no it's not the same people it's, clearly it's not
0: so and i think for myself it's even when i learn how like i'm amazed at every point like once we figure out how how they're accomplishing feats, i'm still immune yeah you know like when you talk about um wayfair, wayfair navigation, just wayfaring like I'm still amazed at the at the whole technique, and how complex it is. Like once you learn the trick of it or the secret formula, it just gets more interesting. Um and you just gotta again, going back to just building on the works of those generations that came before us. Have you heard about this guy, Alex Connell, who scaled um there's um, a that movie what's it called?
1: Is it the Rock Climber Guy?
0: Yes. Alex Honnold was the star of uh, solo free solo. Yeah. Scaled scaled uh El Capitan without any equipment.
1: Right. I could see that. Uh, I-, I could see a, a a person doing
0: that and it's like you can see it but you can see it now but a hundred years ago when they first came across came upon this uh rock face it took a took a team of like three uh, took a whole climbing team with the latest rock climbing um equipment it's like three weeks to scale that thing yeah and this guy eventually just did it in a couple without any equipment in a couple of hours
1: right yeah
0: combination of just people working at it mapping out the mapping out the whole face developing the climbing techniques sharing those climbing techniques improving upon them um, and and then you see his own preparation like obviously it's a very dangerous thing but you practice it over and over again put the effort in uh, and the way he describes it is that you know when you when he, with enough practice, he created this coordinated dance of the mountain. So he knew every every single technique he needs to do, execute, and how to execute it in order to make it safely up the mountain. Um, and that is, I think that's just a beautiful thought. With enough effort in, you can make anything. safe.
1: Right, right. And he proved it right there. Right. It's like. Yeah. It's like the ancient, uh, not ancient, but like the original people that started going up Mount Everest, mm. right? It was this huge, hard climb to do. And mm. now it's like a tourist attraction almost, right? There's yeah. lines of people yeah. going up Mount Everest. And if you want to go up Mount Everest, mm. they'll prepare you, they'll get you the gear and you go. Yeah. Mm. In the past, it was like, no, you needed like mm. you know, huge amounts of gear and training and money mm. to, to back you. Mm. Um, All right, man. I catch you long enough. No no problem. It's been great talk, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I hope I was entertaining. I hope I made you laugh at my stories.
1: (laughs) I love this kind of talk. I love this kind of discussion, man. It's good. It's healthy. All right, everybody. Jeff Oshiro. And as always, stay happy, hoy.